0: We got no time for a guest today on Your Money, Your Wealth, because Juan, Michael, the good driver, Scott, Dan, Barney and MS are all the stars of today's show. They've got money questions and Joe and Big Al are all about answering them. From claiming social security, living off of your investments overseas before taking social security, and how you transition from social security disability to regular social security, to how the sale of appreciated company stock or a Roth conversion will change your tax bracket, and what you need to do to confirm for the feds and the states that you've changed your state of residency. The fellows are gonna do their best to clear all that up for you and not make things any more confusing. Plus, the pro rata rules for thrift savings plans have changed. Stick around to find out how. Visit YourMoneyYourWealth.com. Scroll down and click Ask Joe and Al on air to send in your questions. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA.
1: First one on here is from Helen. Helen just wanted to write in and say, Happy birthday, Big Al. You sound so great. Don't say she, she doesn't think you sound like you're ready for retire retirement yeah, or thinks,
2: collecting social security. Apparently, she thinks I sound younger. Thank you, Helen. Yeah,
1: it's because of what Andy does to your voice on the. <laughs> the whole she, she puts sh- it through t- a synthesizer. Yes, it's something else. Heard the real no, voice? It's like, <laughs> it's, it's, like uh, it's
2: it's here's my real voice. <laughs> well, uh, you want to uh, get yeah. taxed? Yeah,
1: we gotta we gotta jack him up with a bunch of. <laughs>
0: I'll try to talk as if you have no teeth.
1: Uh, <laughs> well, I'm,
2: I think we'll I'll do a rock and bird. Yeah, that's it. why we don't do that. All right.
1: um, so, yeah, Helen says thanks for all your free advice online. I love the channel. Yeah, appreciate that, Helen. That's very nice. All right. <clears throat> Enough of the flowers. <laughs> the fluff. The fluff. On real yes, stuff. Rainbows and unicorns. Yes. Uh, we got Juan from Los Angeles, California, L.A., Uh, Juan writes in, uh, my plan is to retire at 60 and live off my 401k, Roth 401k savings until I'm 67. So that's seven years, just for those of you taking score. Then I plan on requesting my Social Security benefits. Part of the plan is to move out of the U.S. somewhere that the dollar has more value. Is this plan viable? With this plan, would it make a difference if I claim my benefits at 62 instead of 67? (laughs) <laughs> what do you think there, Alan?
2: <laughs> well, Juan, uh, let me let me start by saying— uh, We need a lot more information, we do, Juan. But let me just take this at face value to start, uh, which is whether you take your Social Security benefit living in the U.S. or outside of the U.S., it's the same— tax consequence, or, or same same discounted benefit, I guess. Uh, same, same to both. Yeah.
1: So if you take it at 62 versus 67, you're going to receive a, a, a haircut on the overall benefit.
2: Yeah, it's around 30% less. 30% less. Yeah, so if you're going to get $1,000 at 67, it'll be about $700 at 62.
1: So if you live in, I don't know, Costa Rica. Yeah. It's still going to be $700. Yeah, so there's no difference there. So, I think Juan's main question is is that all right, <clears throat> I'm going to live off of my savings from age 60 to 67 or am I going to or should I live off my savings from age 60 to 62? So, I got a few comments here. So, if he takes his benefit at 62 and he's fully retired at age 60, he's going to see a, a permanent haircut on his social security benefits, right? Correct. But the pros and cons of taking it early versus extending it is that it's going to be less demand of the portfolio if he takes his benefit at 62 because he's going to receive some sort of Social Security benefit.
2: Right. So in other words, he he draws less out of his own accounts because he's getting Social Security earlier.
1: Right. Right. Or if he waits till sixty-seven, that's seven years that he's got to pro- provide a hundred percent of his income needs or of his expenses from his overall portfolio. Right, but the social security benefit will be higher. Yes, so, so which, which that's is better? The, yeah, what which is better? Right. Well, I think it is a combination of a, a couple of different things. A, I think it's how much money does Juan have? How much money is in his retirement accounts? How much does he have um, in other types of fixed income sources? Um, it looks like Juan is leaving the u s because he wants the dollar to move f- further, so I'm suggesting um, that he he probably doesn't have millions
2: May- yeah, maybe he yeah he, he, he right he, he he's needs-
1: like he's the guy that's living in San Francisco that's moving to Cleveland <laughs> he's the guy living in l a that's moving to Puerto Rico
2: right. So so he wants to stretch his dollar further. So so yeah, I I would agree with that. So we're going to make an assumption that there's not millions here. That there's there's maybe some limited resources, and how do you best utilize them?
1: So then you also have to take a look at life expectancy, of course. How long do you think Juan's going to live? Right. If if he has got long life expectancy, well then taking it later is probably going to do a little bit better for him because he's going to have a lot larger fixed income source of income that's guaranteed by the federal government that will last the rest of his life. So if he runs out of all other assets, he's got a higher, at least, paycheck coming in.
2: Right. So I've got another angle to take this question, which is, uh, he may be thinking about, is the taxation going to be cheaper if I'm living in a foreign country? And if that's part of the question I will answer.
1: I, I think every question, you find tax in there. <laughs>
2: I do. That's, that's It's a, an important part. That's my, filth, I, that's my filter. Yeah, I don't see tax anywhere, but that's all right. <laughs> he says, part of my plan is to move out of the U.S.
1: To make the dollar more valuable. Right. All right. So I'm going to answer. That th- means taxes. Yes,
2: I'm going to answer my own question.
1: Okay, <laughs> sounds good.
2: <laughs> so for those of you thinking of doing that, um, you still have to pay taxes in the U.S. even if you're living in another country. Be it Costa Rica, Guatemala, um, Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico, Italy, whatever, It doesn't matter. You still have to pay U.S. taxes. Cleveland, Cle- yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> then you got to pay uh, Ohio taxes too. Anyway, and I th- not a lot of people know that, Joe. That you have to pay U.S. tax if you're a U.S. citizen or you have a green card you have to pay taxes on worldwide income in the united states regardless of what country you're living in and by the way you probably have to pay taxes in that same country yeah. that's where you get a foreign tax credit potentially in the u.s. for taxes that you pay in a foreign country
0: that's the case when i lived in australia
2: uh, th- there you go yeah. yeah so so anyway if you're thinking that i'm gonna get out of u.s. taxes
0: They actually call them prawns, but anyway. you have a little prawn on the barbie?
2: (laughs) Did you see Crocodile Dundee? Is he down there barbecuing? No. (laughs) Anyway, you can't avoid U.S. taxes. And furthermore, if Juan lives in Los Angeles. If you leave the country, uh, you still have to pay, you leave the state of California, you still have to pay California taxes. California is really tough about that. So you pay U.S. taxes and California taxes, even in another country.
1: So I hope that helps Juan. <clears throat> so we
2: answered every angle. We'll see if that was the real question. You should be happy. Yeah.
1: Answering Michael's question from San Diego, he's like, yeah, I'm 69 years of age. I filed and froze my Social Security account in 2016 when he was 66. So that three years later, he's 69. Amount was 2550 a month. He was born in uh, April of 1950. I know I made the deadline before the rules change because, Michael is correct, a few years ago, the, the, you, you can no longer file and suspend your benefits depending on your age. For most of you, it's already past the deadline. There's only a small, you know, if you are born before 1950 and you still haven't claimed your Social Security benefits, I would highly seek financial planning advice because you're probably leaving some money on the table. So SSC, um, that should be... SSA, but SSC is what Michael's calling the Social Security Administration. Social Security. Social Security Company. uh, Knows to start payments when I turn 70, Y-O-A. How do I get paid back retroactively all payments at 70 to 66 years of age and take the lower payment amount? Call them? So here's what Michael's wanting to do. And I hope this is not the case. Um, but this is usually what happens, is that you can file and suspend your benefits. So at 66, at his full retirement age, he went to Social Security Administration, filed his benefits, but then he suspended them and let his benefit continue to grow. So from age 66 to age 70, he would get an 8% delayed retirement credit. So by age 70, he would roughly get a 132% higher benefit, right? So now he's at that 70-year mark. And so he's like, okay, well, now it's time to turn on my benefits. And let's say his benefit was a thousand dollars a month. Sure. At age seventy, it would be what thirteen hundred bucks? Correct. Give or take a couple yeah. bucks. Thirteen twenty. So what he's wanting to do is not take the thirteen twenty a month. He wants to take the thousand dollars a month
2: that he would have received over the last four years.
1: That he would have received over the, and then continue with the lower payment. Right. But he wants to get a lump sum payment from Social Security of that. So you could do this, you could say, Hey, you know what? I was just kidding. Give me all the money that I would have received because I didn't claim any monies, right? I delayed my benefit to age seventy. And now something happened in life where he's either have a shortened life expectancy where he's like, I need to get as much money out of this thing as possible because that's the only real reason why you would want to do this, or maybe he wants a little bit of a lump sum. So you can retroactively go back to Social Security Administration and say, you know what, I filed for my benefit and I suspended them because I thought I wanted to take the higher benefit at age 70, nah, life's changed, let me go back, then from there retroactively, from seventy on, he would get the lower benefit, but he would get a lump sum payment of all the payments that he missed. And you had to he, he would have had to have done this file and
2: suspend prior to April thirtieth, two thousand and sixteen, to be able to do this option. according
1: to Larry Kutlikoff, I just
2: checked. Oh. And if you
1: yeah, I mean, you had to do this file before the 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 deadline. That's right. Because this is no longer the case. You can't get the
2: lump sum anymore. That's right. In fact, if you were to file and suspend now, which you can do, then there's no retroactive benefit possible. Well, you can't
1: necessarily file and suspend. Mary Beth yelled at me.
2: According to according to Larry Cutlakoff, he says. For people who voluntarily suspended their benefits prior to 4-30-2016, the answer is yes, they can get the lump sum. But the answer is no for people who suspend their benefits on or after April 30th. That's that's according to Larry. So
1: what I guess the file and suspend terminology is really for – the only reason why you would file your benefit and suspend the benefit right, is to trigger a spousal benefit. You know what I mean? Right, because why would you even go through the hassle of filing your benefit and letting this stuff grow? Um, because you can own the spouse can only claim the spousal benefit if the other spouse had is, filed for benefit is claiming the benefit. Right, correct. Today, let's say I could file my benefit. I'm receiving my benefit. I can suspend the benefit, and what happens then is that my benefit would continue to increase. Right? So let's say I took it at age 62, I received a lower benefit, and then maybe I go back to work, and then at 64 it's like, well, I don't need the benefit, I can suspend the benefit. And then the Social Security Administration will continue to increase my benefit over time. So let's say now I turn it on at age 70, I would probably get, I don't know, throwing a dart here, probably about 40% more benefit, give or take, a couple bucks. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> But I can do that. But let's say if I was married, my even though I filed for my benefit, but I suspended them, while my benefits are suspended, my spouse could not claim a spousal benefit. Right. If she was claiming the spousal benefit and I suspended my benefit, her spousal benefits would go away. Yeah. No, I agree with that. But if you
2: were claiming your own benefit and then you realize, you know what, I don't really need right, it, right. And then I you could suspend it. I could suspend it at this point. And if you do that after. April 30th of 2016, you can no longer do the lump sum option. I think that's the point.
1: So, Michael, yes, um, if that were the case, if you want to take the lower payment and receive uh, the lump sum, uh, you could call them, um, or you could just go to your local Social Security administration. um, And I would highly suggest bringing a cell phone that has a podcast app on it, that you can listen to your money or wealth uh, for about four or five hours <laughs> while, while you're, you're sitting in the, the Social Security Administration. And then when they challenge you and say, no, you can't do this, you can just say, you know what? Listen to this. This is what Joe Anderson said. said and then they can call me and I can prove them right I that has I happened would,
2: a time or two. Yes. I would say, <laughs> in this type of case, I would go to the Social Security office because they're probably going to tell you you're wrong. And you're not wrong. Yeah, they're
1: saying, "Hey, you can't do this," and you'll be like, "No, I can do this because I did it because before the, I, the rules change." But you qualify over the old rules,
2: and you'll probably get someone new that didn't realize that the change, and so they'll have to get their supervisor. And I, I don't know; it's gonna. It's.
1: I would go in, uh, but just bring. I don't know some activities. <coughs> yeah, actually what because I Because it's like sitting in the DMV, man. Yeah. And and I would
2: and the other thing I would bring <laughs> is I would actually go to the Social Security website that talks about that you could still do this by filing and suspending prior to April 30th of 2016. So then you hand it to them when they say you can't do it.
0: I think Mary Beth even told us that if you call the Social Security Administration and you get an answer that doesn't make sense or that confuses you, hang, hang up, up and call back. Right. And yes. talk to someone else. Right.
1: <laughs> Yeah, when this whole rule change, we were rushing clients in, right, to file and suspend, and then they would say, no, they told us we can't can't do do it. it. Yeah, no, you can do it. And then how about the doctor? And then we were because they were already past full retirement age, and we're like, no, you can file and suspend. She can claim the no. They said we can't do it. Yeah.
2: So I I sent him a bunch of stuff, and he went in, and but he got a different person. Different person. No problem. Yeah. And he had all the stuff he didn't need. But anyway,
1: the good driver. That's her name or his name that's who it came from it said the good driver yes it, or is that that's from a, that's uh, the email name
0: that's the actual from line of the email okay. so
1: all right here you go good driver here's your question Could I get some insight pertaining the transition from SSDI to SSI well it's pretty easy you just got to make it <laughs>
2: <laughs> Next question.
1: Yeah, it's it's
2: automatic. It's, it's, it's automatic. So we're talking about Social Security disability income changing to Social Security income, which happens automatically at full retirement age. You don't have to do anything; it just happens. Yeah, it just happens. Just have to make it, as you say. You got to get to full
1: retirement age. Does the benefit if you're a good driver? You're going to make it. <laughs> Does the
0: benefit actually change?
1: No, no. Because so it's they, just
0: the name that changes.
1: Yes, it's only the name that changes.
0: Comes out of a different pot which, of money. Yes,
1: now it comes out of a different pool. It doesn't come out yeah. of the, the the right the disability fund. Yeah. It comes out of the retirement fund. Um, in some cases, it may, but I've never seen it because it's always when always they been the same. Yeah, as far they, as you know. yeah. As far as I know, um, I'm not Mary Beth Franklin. <laughs> So if she's
2: listening, she's if she's listening, maybe she can help us out. out.
1: But I know it <clears throat> automatically changes from a, a disability benefit to a retirement benefit at full retirement age, and you can actually suspend your benefit and get an increase in benefit on your retirement benefit if you um, suspend it at full retirement age. At full, yeah, which right now is age sixty six, but we'll be transitioning to sixty seven. So let's say I'm a good driver. Are we going to get these now? Little funny names? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a show. Just just turning right. into a circus. What, what's
2: your Instagram name?
1: Why? Joe Anderson. That's it? No. Yeah. Zero. No. <laughs> no creativity. Joe Anderson. 2323. 2323. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Yeah. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. Joe Anderson 2323. Okay. Okay. Just one. Yeah. You want to see my golf swing? Because Go Because a,
2: a lot of people have different names. Yeah. Yours is
1: Big Al. Of course. <laughs> 2522. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but so yeah, you you can suspend the benefit and then that would increase the retirement benefit. So that's it for retirement. That that doesn't apply to disability. Yeah, so my understanding with uh, and, and I'm not a dis- disability expert here, right? I would say I'm more on the retirement side expert, not a disability expert, but here's my understanding of it is that, let's say you get disabled at 35 years of age, and you're making X amount of dollars, right? and then you uh, quali- uh, apply and qualify, and you actually get a Social Security disability benefit. Because it, it's almost a, an act of something to get the benefit. You it's, really it's have har- to be... It's hard to get. It's hard to get. I mean, you have to be severely disabled. You do. I agree. And so with that, they'll look at it and say, okay, well... If you were making this, your benefit would have been this, and this is what your benefit would be. Because you look at your statement, your Social Security statement now, if you're 35, 45, well, you're already collecting, right, Al? No, I'm not. Not, not yet? <laughs> not even. He's but. eligible, though. <laughs> you're, you're Social Security eligible, so you get the statements every year now. I do. Yeah. yeah. See, I only that's, get I get mine like once a quarter. I mean, once um, once every five years.
2: Once she hit, I think it's I don't know if it's age fifty or sixty, but you start, 60, I think start you getting can, it every. Are
0: yeah. they mailing them out again, or do you still have if to go online? If you turn online?
2: sixty, yeah, once you old, because well, yeah. yeah. they
0: figure you can't use a computer,
1: right? I don't know <laughs> what <laughs> they do. Well, but,
2: they figure you you need it. I don't know. <laughs>
1: so I don't know. It's more in your face.
2: Yep. So, um,
1: but okay. Well, the answer is you don't have to do anything, good unless driver. you want to. In- <laughs> just keep driving. <laughs> driving well you're good uh, but yeah if like I said if you want to increase your overall benefit I would uh, you could suspend the benefit and then you would get that 8% delayed retirement credit from um, that overall benefit I know um, because I asked Mary Beth Franklin, that exact same question from last time she was And on.
0: I will put a link to that show in the podcast show notes. Yeah, listeners. look at that. You may be retiring in a few months or it might be a few years. Either way, claiming Social Security is one of the most important decisions you will make for retirement. The Social Security Handbook walks you through everything you need to know. Who's eligible, how benefits are calculated, the difference between collecting early and late, working while taking Social Security, the rules around spousal, survivor, and divorce benefits, and of course, the all-important tax of your social security benefits. Visit the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com to download the social security handbook, yours free from Joe and Big Al and Your Money, Your Wealth. Now let's get back to answering your money questions. Get yours to us now to hear the answer on next week's podcast. Go to yourmoneyyourwealth.com, scroll down and click Ask Joe and Al on air to send in a voice message or an email.
1: Okay, this is from Scott. Scott's writing in. He's There's no location given, Scott. Come on. We need a city. We need a city. So then we can say, man, have you ever been to Cleveland?
2: And we will say, I have
1: not. <laughs> yes. <laughs> See, that makes the whole intro of the question so much better. Right. Uh, Joe, Big Al, I just noticed that the TSP is now allowing withdrawals to be made at the account holder's discretion. If one has both a Roth and traditional TSP, the pro rata rules are now optional and not mandatory. Could be a nice segment on your podcast. You guys are the best. My wife and I listen to you all the time. Well, Scott and wife, thank you for the nice compliment. And you are absolutely correct, which is a huge deal. So let's talk about the TSP, and let's talk about pro rata rules. Okay. TSP, Thrift Savings Plan, federal employee, right? Only very, only federal employees, right? Only federal employees. Uh, very large. For, it's a 401k plan. I don't know why everyone's got to call stuff differently. Sure, uh, but they call it the Thrift Savings Plan. Uh, huge benefits of the TSP plan is that the there's five investments roughly. You know, you got a small cap, large cap, you got a government bond fund, right? International, and very few selections, but they're very widely well diversified. It's an index fund, very very inexpensive. So the plan's inexpensive. There's thousands of stocks within all the funds, so it's a it's a pretty decent plan. The biggest issue with the TSP plan is that once you retire, it's like trying to get money out of that thing is that, all right, well, no, you can only take one distribution a year. it's like, okay, so i got to plan my whole year to figure out how the hell I'm going to get the money out? They don't let you do monthly? Now they do. Now they do. Right? They they used to not. Yeah, it was very restrictive on how you could take the money out. And then once you turn 70 and a half, get this money out of here. Get out of here. (laughs) So it's like, right? right, So all these retirees were like, "Well, what the hell do I do with this thing? Do I keep it in the TSP? Do I roll it out? Well, if I roll it out, I'm probably gonna, you know, pay a little bit of extra dollars, but maybe I'm, you know, um, have more options. Can I do conversions and everything else? So this is big news with the TSP plan because the 401k world has not caught up to this yet. So what he's talking about is that now the rules have changed where now you can take monthly distributions, but no, you, you. if you wanted it biweekly, forget about it. One distribution a month. So if you need to take $5,000 out, you set it up, pull $5,000 out a month. Um, and before, you would have to make that election, and then you couldn't change it for another 12 months. Anyway. So for those of you that have a TSP, now the rules are a lot more... <clears throat> Lenient in in how you take distributions. I think the federal government finally f- figured it out. They're like, man, there's a lot of money in here, and we are making some money on this, right? Because there's fees and costs in it, even though relatively low, but sure. there's still cost to it, right? And even though there's small cost, if you've got billions of dollars in the plan, you're going to make a couple of bucks. It's like our buddy Perry. That made a couple of dollars selling like a a, a five yeah Christmas uh, trinkets. trinkets. Yeah, yeah. I was like Perry, how'd you make so much? Well, you know when you when you, you sell a lot of them, Joe, you, you it, you it adds up. Yeah. it adds up. It's like a penny doubling every day. Right, sure. So now the pro rata rule, Alan. So if I have a four hundred one k plan and I have let's say hundred thousand dollars in my four hundred one k plan and I have eighty thousand dollars pre tax, twenty thousand Roth. So 20% Roth, 80% pre. And I pull a dollar out of that 401k plan, what's going to happen is that $0.80 is going to be taxable, $0.20 is going to be tax-free. Make sense? They
2: they do it in the same proportion of your your investments.
1: So every dollar that comes out of a 401k plan, if I have after-tax and pre-tax dollars, it's going to be pro rata. The TSP plan allows you to elect which dollars that you want to pull from. So if you wanted to pull a dollar from the TSP plan, given the fact that you had, let's say, 80% 80 in pre, 20% in post or Roth, and you wanted to pull out a dollar, you could say, no, I want to pull a dollar out of pre-tax, or I want to do 50-50 or whatever. So you can make that election, which I think is pretty cool.
2: Yeah, and that's a big deal, because now you can sort of manage your distributions with your own individual tax bracket and and get this to where you try to stay below certain higher brackets and end up with a lot more money in your pocket. So yeah, it it is a big deal, I agree. All
1: right, let's go to Dan from Florida. Okay. Um, Dan writes in, I have a substantial amount of company stock in my 401k that has appreciated greatly. Good for you, Dan. Hopefully you're a Florida Gator fan. You know I went to school at the University of Florida. Yeah, Did I've you? heard that. You know? I've
2: seen your t-shirt. Yeah, go Gators. It's about three sizes too small, by the way.
1: <laughs> oh my wow. god. Wow. <laughs> wow. No, it's just because I'm swole. <laughs> when, when I NUA this stock, will the cost basis add to my income such that it can change my tax bracket, or do I only pay tax at my current tax bracket percentage? Um, I have the same question about 401k to Roth conversion monies. Will conversion monies add to my income in such a way as to possibly change my tax bracket? Thank you so much, guys. Wish I could come and see you in person, but I live in Florida. Watch your shows on YouTube almost every day. Wow, daily. Just binge-watching <laughs> YNYW. Awesome, Dan. Thank you. Uh, thanks so much for all I have already learned from you. Hope you keep up the amazing show. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate that. Kind words. Um, So... Is, is Dan your cousin? No, it sounds like <laughs> By it though. The way. <laughs> uh, but Dan brings up a very good question, because when we do presentations and teach and things like that, I think a lot of times people get confused. So he's watching the TV mm-hmm. show. I would agree. You know, and, and we're saying, okay, well you convert up to a certain bracket, and then you pay tax at that level, right? It, let's say it's the 22% tax bracket. So, Or what tax bracket are you in? You're, I'm in the 22% tax bracket, okay, you do a Roth conversions, you pay 22% tax. Or um, NUA, which I'll explain in a second. If you do an NUA, it's ordinary income tax, all right, well I'm in the 22% tax bracket, and is that net unrealized appreciation going to be taxed at 22? So the, the answer is, it depends. And so what you really have to look at, Dan, is what's your taxable income, line 10 on your, your tax return? Because that's going to tell you what tax bracket that you're in. And then you will need to go to the irs.gov to look at the brackets to see what, what you know, I don't know what tax bracket Dan's in, or I don't, you know, or else I could just tell him what the top of that tax bracket is. But for instance, the top of, let's say if he's single, um, let's say married, so the top of, let's say, the twenty-two percent tax bracket. The bottom of it starts at about eighty thousand dollars. The top of it is at one hundred sixty. So you have eighty thousand dollars of taxable income is the top of the twelve, and one hundred sixty thousand dollars roughly is the top of the twenty or the the top of the twenty-two. Yeah, you're married. Yeah, G- one- gi- yeah, give or take yeah, a couple of bucks. Yeah, you're one sixty-eight, but you're in the ballpark. Yeah, right. And so. Then, Dan, what what Dan has to look at is to say, okay, well, if I do a net unrealized appreciation, what that means is that he has company stock that he purchased that is in his 401k plan that has appreciated greatly. He could take the company stock out of the 401k plan, but he pays ordinary income tax on whatever the basis is. If the basis in that particular, um, in his um, circumstance, is, let's say, $200,000, $200,000, well, it's going to add $200,000 of income. So, yes, some of it is going to be taxed at his rate, but, yes, then the other remaining is going to be taxed at a higher rate. So, of course, it would jump tax brackets, depending on how much that he does. That's why looking at your taxable income and looking at whatever brackets that he's in is going to be very, very important for this type of planning.
2: Yeah, and I think that's that's the key point, is is you fill up your current bracket at the same rate, and then to the extent you have extra income, it's taxed at a higher bracket. So it's not like you get your current bracket on everything, right? Right. If the amount of income is greater than what's left in your bracket. And we get the same question on capital gains, which, which is you've got to you're in the in the 12% bracket, right? And you sell a stock, and you don't have to pay federal taxes on that if as long as you stay in the 12% bracket. So people say, "Well, I've got a million dollar gain on a property. Can I sell that, pay no tax?" Well, just for the first ten or twenty thousand to the top of that bracket, everything else then will be at 15 and 20%.
1: Hopefully that helps, Dan. Um, appreciate you, you you're watching us on YouTube and listening to us here at Your Money or Wealth. We okay. got Barney from okay. Miami, Florida. Well, lots from Florida. Yeah, well, Miami. I am 65 years old. I currently have my savings in a company ESOP in a 401k. Uh, My taxable income for 2019 is uh, $33,000. What is my tax bracket when I sell those shares of stock? This is kind of similar to Dan in Florida. Yeah, if it's company stock. Yeah. Uh, There is 2,000, I don't know, call it 2,100 shares. In an ESOP valued at $42.85 a share. Uh, there are 1,900 shares in 401k valued at $42.85. Should I convert these total shares into a Roth that pay the tax? I plan to take Social Security at age 67. In 2020, I turn age 66. Is it worth converting? I would invest the money in tax-exempt bonds. <laughs> this is, this, is, this way, I would not have to report the income while I receive my Social Security. Okay, Barney. All over the map here. Yeah. Well, let me first do the let's math. Sl- so so
2: the, the total is about $170,000. Okay.
1: Barney, slow down here. <laughs> slow your roll. All righty. So Barney, 65, is going to take Social Security at uh, 67. Okay, so he's got a two-year time frame. Yeah. And so he's got an ESOP plan, he's got a 401k plan, um, his taxable income is 33000 and let's assume he's single. So if his income is thirty three thousand dollars as a single taxpayer, Alan, he would be in uh, the very what the top of the twelve percent bracket. He's still got a room about I don't know maybe another ten thousand. It's about forty two ish. It's I think high thousand. Thir- thirty nine thirty nine thousand. All right, is, well, I'm is close. To,
2: yeah, Th- yeah.
1: So the top of the twelve percent, Barney, is forty grand. You're at thirty three. So anything that you sell up to $40,000 would be taxed at 12%. If you are married and your taxable income is 33000 you have up until around $80,000. Yeah, but so I w- then you have
2: $50,000 of room. But I will say, if you sell it inside of your plan, there is no tax consequence.
1: Right, So, but he's got an uh, ESOP plan. So yes. th- th- people call all these plans so many different things. So I am not. I don't want to give advice if it's not really a true ESOP. Yeah, that's an employee stock ownership plan, which is relatively rare. Right, <laughs> because if you have an ESOP, you're an owner of the company, and the owners of the company were trying to sell the, sh- the, the, the ownership of the company to the employees. Yeah,
2: and often they're private companies, and and you may not be able to sell them, so we don't really have enough information. I'm
1: guessing it's, it might be an employee stock purchase plan, where that's something a little bit different, where he's buying company shares of stock, right? And um, maybe at a discount, or maybe he's giving some restricted shares. Who knows? Um, but if it's outside of a retirement account with the ESOP, we can assume. All right, so he's got two thousand shares at forty-two dollars a share, and what's that? hundred grand. Uh, yeah, it's about ninety. So a hundred thousand dollars. So I don't know if he sells that. It depends on what the tax basis is. If it's inside a qualified plan, you know, there's nothing. If you convert the money into a Roth IRA, then you're going to be taxed at whatever that is. So in in, in I'm going to guess in if if it's an ESOP of what I'm thinking that it is, it could be a qualified plan that he could potentially roll into an IRA. The 401K could get rolled into an IRA sell the shares of stock, now you just buy a diversified mutual fund because you have too much risk. Then you could do small conversions throughout of that IRA into a Roth. Yeah, and then by the time you reach sixty seven, right, then you're pulling some money out of a Roth or retirement account. And but you can't invest in municipal bonds if it's in a, a qualified account. It would still be taxed at ordinary income rates. Right. Or if it's in a Roth you're it's tax free anyway.
2: Right. So, and then there, if it's company stock, consider a net unrealized appreciation. So, there's that strategy potentially. A conversion is a great idea, but keep within your certain tax brackets that make sense for you.
1: Right. If, if he's got company stock in the 401k plan, then I'm going back to Dan and saying, right. all right, hey, do a net unrealized appreciation, move the company stock, pay the taxes on the basis, now the money's outside, then invest that in municipal bonds. Right? But if your taxable income's $33,000, you're in the 12% tax bracket where there is no capital gains tax, so a municipal bond doesn't make any sense. Barney! Love you, buddy. Appreciate you calling in, um, but we need some more information here. Um, we probably just confused the hell out of you and most other people.
0: Tax brackets have changed, retirement plan contribution limits have changed, and you do not have to keep track of all this information in your head. Download the 2019 key financial data guide from the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com and have all those numbers right at your fingertips along with the standard deductions, tax deadlines, AMT exemptions, gift and estate tax exclusions and credits, taxation on Social Security, and tons more. Click the link in the podcast show notes at com and download the 2019 Key Financial Data Guide. One more email here, then we turn you loose to ask your money questions. Click Ask Joe and Al on air at yourmoneyyourwealth.com.
1: Okay, this is from MS. Uh, dear Joe and Big Al, we co-own a business with... Nationwide and Overseas Clients. All right. Uh, I should start reading these before we get on the air. (laughs) So you can be smoother. (laughs) Yes. I was like, I thought they they owned Nationwide Insurance or something there for a second. Got it. We co-own a business with Nationwide and Overseas Clients. The business is headquartered in Nevada, where our business partners live. We work remotely in our California home. Since California taxes all income, including K-1 income, regardless of where it was earned. We are thinking of moving out of California and claiming residency in a state with no income tax. However, we'd like to maintain our home in California since it's fully paid off and property taxes are low. We also will return to California periodically to see family and specialist doctors. In the new state, we will... Plan to buy a house, register our cars, change our driver's license, change our voter's registrations, become members of a church, switch our gym memberships, find a dentist and a primary care doctor, and establish other daily life activities. What should we do to ensure that California no longer considers us California residents? We are both 52, plan to retire in five years. Thanks. You guys are awesome. So they're gonna do all this stuff, Al, but right. only live in Nevada for three days out of a like, year. <laughs> and say they live there all hey, the time. We got our here's our church membership card. <laughs> That's right. Actually they're not license. even
0: saying Nevada, they're just saying a no income tax right. state. So yeah, you know,
1: we go to sure. Nevada Lifetime Fitness. That's right. We go to church there, we yeah. contribute there. We got our dentist. Well, they haven't been in two years, but they're they're, <laughs> they're right there, in Nevada.
2: They're on the right track, uh, which essentially means if you're going to move out of state, you really need to move out of state. And if you think about it just logically, if you really are going to move out of state, what would you ha- what changes would you make? Well, you would get a new driver's license, and you would have a new registrar of voters, and you would probably have a new doctor, and you'd probably have a new dentist, and all these things that you would do if you actually were moving. So that's what the state of California expects you to do. So they they listed a whole bunch of stuff. Now, the caveat, of course, is you actually really need to do it. You really need to be there. And if the state of California ever wants to challenge you, it's not that hard for them to... Prove that you were in California by looking at where grocery your, bills, grocery bills, and you know where you're spending your time, where you're going out to eat, where you know all that sort of thing. And I've even heard—I don't know if this is true—but I've heard that California can subpoena your your cell phone
1: records to find out your locations. So it, if you really if you but, but the law is six months in a day, right? So they want to spend time in California as long as they don't spend six months here. It would be. 5 months and 29 days.
2: Right, but it's it can be a little bit trickier than that be- okay. because be, because of this is is if you really are spending virtually half a year here, then are you really leaving, right? Have you have you really made a commitment to leave the state and California if the dollars are big enough, they might want to take it to court and say no you really didn't leave cuz look, you're coming back half the year. And so this is where a really good tax attorney that specializes in this is really helpful. If you're planning on keeping ties in California, which a lot of people are, and in this case, it sounds like they are, probably one of the biggest things is time spent in Nevada and doing all the things that they're, or wherever, maybe they're going to Washington State, whatever it may be. Florida. Yeah, Florida, Texas, uh, Wyoming could be another one. Uh, but yeah, you really have to do all these things, and you just have to be careful when you're keeping ties in California that you don't go overboard, and this is where a good tax attorney can help you on that. And I'm not saying that, that you. I mean, you, you don't necessarily have to do everything, and, and some people keep their home, and some people turn into a rental, and some people keep this doctor because it's a specialist, and some people do this and that. It's just the more things that you can do, the better your case is, and if this is ever challenged, it's it's a court case, It's it's shades of gray, it's... What the judge is going to consider is this more like you're a Nevada resident or a California resident. So the more things that you can do, the better. But for those listing that are thinking of kind of pretending they're doing it, it doesn't really work. Actually, you have to really do it. The fact that their business is in Nevada it helps, is, helps a lot, right? Because now, if, if
1: the roles were reversed, right, what would happen there? Yeah, businesses yeah. in California, they're living in Nevada,
2: so they still pay California tax on their business income because it's California-sourced. It's located in the state of California. And so that doesn't really matter. But because it's reversed, it works pretty well. So in other words, they can move to Nevada or some other tax-free state, and they don't have a California corporation, so it's it's already kind of established as another state's corporation. So I, I like that part.
1: How do you change a corporation to a different state?
2: Um, I think the best thing is to just dissolve your California corporation and set up a new one in another state because it's state by state is where the corporations, the Secretary of State in each state issues the the, the corporation charter. So So
1: Pure Financial Advisors, we're a fairly large establishment.
2: Yeah, in California. In California.
1: Right. We're gonna dissolve it and open up Peer Financial Advisors Nevada.
2: Yes, I think so. Now I'm not an attorney, so maybe there's other. They would be like, "What are you guys ways. doing?" Yeah, right. You
1: know what I mean? Sure. But it, it has happened. Yeah, I oh, mean, sure. we see all sorts of like multi-billion-dollar firms move to but Texas, but you, and
2: I know. But you could set up your company in Nevada before you dissolve California, and you do it simultaneously. So I don't know. There might be smarter ways to do this, but I I don't think you necessarily would transfer your California corporation to to another state. I don't think it works that way.
0: And yeah. we should say that was just an example. Pure financial is not moving. We are better. about we? El, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got a question. If you, if your, you know, your headquarters of your your corporation is in one or the other, and you literally are spending half of your time in one and half of your time in the other, do you pay taxes in both states? If you're not trying to hide it or anything like that, you literally have two houses and two.
2: So, so in that particular case, it it comes down to where you're six months and a day. That's your state of residence. Yeah. And so if if it happens to be in Nevada, so then that's Nevada source income, even though you're spending a bunch of time in California. So you could spend time in lots of different states, but it's still Nevada source because that's your primary residence. Gotcha. Right. So that's really what it comes down to. But also another thing about California is if you move away and do this, and then later on, after you've sold your business, you come back to California because, all right, I'm done. California can actually audit you for four years after you file. And if you've actually come back, they can successfully argue you never intended to leave and pull back all those tax dollars. Wow. So be careful of that, too. So wait five years to move back? Pretty much. Five years after your final transaction that you don't want California to get. Like, for example, you run the business for five more years and then you sell it for a big, fat paycheck. You're going to want to wait five years after that to move back to California.
1: How about if you have ailing parents?
2: Tough. Tough.
1: I thought you said alien
0: parents.
2: <laughs> so did I, but I figured what you meant. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you have alien parents, you got other things to worry
1: about <laughs> besides <Huh>? California tests. <laughs> but if they're they're coming back to get me, <laughs> bring me to the homeland, Al. I
2: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> gotta run a whole bunch of tests on you. The spaceship.
0: You have ailing parents. <laughs> you have
2: ailing parents. <laughs> Well, that's another story. <laughs> there would be reasons to come back, but not not more than six months, right? Five months and 29 to 30 days, whatever. <laughs> so I guess e- E.T. has an <laughs> So I just answered E.T.'s question.
0: <laughs> All right, okay. <clears throat>
1: Oh boy, that's it for us today. Want to thank our lovely producer Andy Last, thank you. Big Al Klopine. I'm Joe Anderson. Uh, the show's called What Your Money W
0: alien parents. That's just the first of the derail. Stick around for a couple of more at the end of this episode. If you haven't yet subscribed to the Your Money, Your Wealth podcast, please do so. It helps us out and it ensures that you won't miss a minute of Joe and Big Al, so it's helping you out too. And hey, click the share button anywhere you see it at yourmoneyyourwealth.com to spread the word about YMYW. You'll find all the links you need in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors for your free two-meeting financial assessment with a certified financial planner. Just click the free assessment button at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. First initial was M, last initial was S. So oh. that's all they gave us.
1: I had um, this girl I worked with in college. She yeah. was went by two initials. Was it yeah, and it was this like, it you know, the Dueling Piano's
0: weird
1: one. place. Yeah, what's that? Was this at the Dueling Piano's place? Uh, no, this was at the Gainesville Ale House. Ah, okay. So it was similar. It was a bar. Yeah. But I think she went by um, like Two initials that uh, yeah. I totally forgot it. it that that, that don't don't normally fit. fit. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like TJ. That sounds like it fits. Sure. JD, JR, right? J- J- R- Junior, JR Junior, right? Right. No, but hers was like MQ. <laughs> 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 you got it. What do you think? We get more viewers or listeners? Uh, I I don't know. What do you think?
0: I think it's probably more. I'd, I might be biased.
2: You are probably biased. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think? I was going to say.
0: I think we probably, if you if you add up radio and podcast, I think we have more listeners. listeners than viewers. But
2: if you add up YouTube, YouTube and our TV, TV show, yeah, in San Diego, so basically
0: 8. it's millions and millions.
1: it's yeah, hard. Really it's hard for me to go to the grocery store.
2: <laughs> <laughs> How many times have you been recognized in the public? Oh. Besides, people seeing you in our office, and they're coming in because they watch the
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've had people tell me they recognize my voice, which freaks me out. Really?
2: Yeah. Wow. Um. I mean, does it? it does it, I'm sure it's happened. Is it? No, often? it happens more than you think. Yeah.
1: Uh, I'll be. Uh, I was playing golf once a month. That's uh, probably more than that. More than that, a couple times a month. Yeah, a couple times a yeah, month. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm kind of a big deal.
2: <laughs> well, I get recognized three times a yeah, month because I hang out. Because I,
1: I I hang out at you know um, nursing homes. at senior facilities, <laughs> <Bingo>. <laughs> talking to retirees. <laughs>
2: you call out the bingo? At the yeah, and I teach local church. I
1: teach a uh, retirement planning course um, a lot, and they throughout recognize. The day, yeah, they recognize you there because you tell them go watch my <laughs> yeah, show. He,
2: oh, I, so <laughs> then the next week. I thought you said they always, they always ask for where, where's Big out? Yeah, Al. where's
1: Big out? And I'm like, I don't know. He's probably at Appiar. <laughs> he
2: doesn't like to teach. He's <laughs> got a life. He
1: does.